Hello. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know me. Hanging in there, kicking and screaming. <laughs> That's not the right term. Term. Um, alive and kicking. That was the one I was looking for. <laughs> I mean, that's probably more accurate if we're being honest. Truth. <laughs> hey, I got uh, some jokes for you. Would you like to hear some? Yes. Sweet. You know, the mitochondria would be a great prison nickname. Because the it'd be the powerhouse of, of the, the cell. cell. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. A man called his twin brother from prison and says... Hey, remember when we were kids and used to finish each other's sentences? Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, no, nah, I'm just sticking to sandwiches now. Yep. Finish each other's sandwiches. Oh, I get it. That's what I was going to say. From the movie. Jinx. Jinx. You did none of that with me. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Go ahead. <laughs> I hear prisoners in jail get drunk a lot because they hang around bars 24 <laughs> 7. Can I take a guess? No. Who we're talking about? Yeah. Prison Mike. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> no, no, it's not Prison Mike. I'm Aww. sorry to say. It's not actually about prison at all. What? Yeah, I just thought the prison jokes were funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Way to be inclusive, I guess. No, what I really want to talk about. I have a couple fun facts for you. <laughs> okay. So, did you know that in some countries, there is no penalty for someone... Uh, who attempts to escape prison like which countries um there's a few of them like germany i know is one austria i think is another and then a couple other european countries so if you i feel like that's not true mm-hmm. that's true so if you attempt to escape there's no punishment mm-hmm. is it because like the guards will just do it for the justicism no the reason is because they they believe that it's in our human nature to want to be free they're like i get it Mm-hmm. go back to yourself so it's like you know obviously they're going to try to prevent them from escaping but they're not going to give them any more harsh punishment mm, interesting yeah um another fun fact the united states has the highest prison rate in the world which is 724 prisoners per 100,000 hmm. the next highest is russia with 581 we have more than 000. russia we have more than russia wow um, the prison system in the United States is estimated to cost around $80 billion. Ugh, my taxpayer money. <laughs> I think that's annually. Because I contributed $80 million. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Get it back. Dang, that's a lot. Yep. And only 23% of released prisoners stay out of prison. Actually, do have one more. Um, this is the last one. Approximately 3% of prisoners escape from prison. Wow. Yeah. We're talking about Alcatraz? No. Dang it. I told you, it's not about prison. Then why are you talking about prison? I thought it was interesting. Okay. Anyway. Do you want me to begin the story? No. <laughs> I want you to go to jail. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be one of the ones that escape. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be a statistic. Just kidding. You will be a statistic, but not that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You can interpret that oh. however you want I'm, to. I'm good. <laughs> anyway. So do you want to hear the story that isn't related to jail? Sure. Or prison? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So. It's okay, Miles. <laughs> <coughs> Leave that in there. Please. Thank you, Siri. That's our uh, first ever guest star. No, we've no. had Hopper and dogs. Motley. <laughs> True, 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 true. All right. So, in Donaldsonville, Georgia, lived a mother, Rachel Von Miller Anglin, and a father, George Robert Anglin, and they had 13 kids. Okay, listen. If this story does not tie back to prison some way... I told you, it's not going to. I This whole story, I'm going to be waiting for it to, to tie back <laughs> to prison, because I feel like you're lying to no, me. it's not going to. <laughs> 
All right, go ahead. Anyway, so this family, they were an ag- agricultural family, so they were farmers and stuff. Because <laughs> okay. that's what agricultural means. <laughs> Um, and depending on the season, they would travel back and forth between, it was usually Florida and then Michigan. Okay. Um, they'd be in Florida for tomatoes. Okay. Um, and that was like the, like the biggest, um, I guess, profit. <laughs> Where'd they find the biggest profit? Sorry. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> because were they like convicts? <laughs> no, they're farmers. <laughs> I just <laughs> listen, Miles. The amount of times daily that you try to pull a fast one on me, and then you're telling me that this has nothing to do with prison. Okay, why would farmers go to prison? They were like a very like poor family. They were very humble living. Okay, thirteen kids. I mean, <laughs> they're not all going to go to prison. But thirteen is like the evil number. Yeah, it was either thirteen or fourteen. They um, had fourteen kids, but if you count them. They just skip the number thirteen. Just go from twelve to fourteen. Like probably hotels. that's probably that's probably accurate. Because there there were two different sources. One said thirteen kids. One said fourteen. I went with thirteen because it seemed the more conservative way. Yeah. But... Well, you know how hotels do that, right? Yeah. Basically, how they thirteen. skip because wasn't uh, didn't your hotel do that? Mm-hmm. Go from twelve to fourteen. Yeah. That's so funny. People are superstitious. I'm not do superstitious. Re- I'm just a little stitious. Do you do you remember the? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the word for the fear of the number thirteen? No. Triscodecophobia. Triscodecophobia. Yeah, it's the I fear remember. of triscuits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so, so tomatoes. Yeah, so they would be in Florida for tomatoes, and then Michigan, um, they would go in the summertime for cherries. So when would they shank people? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't shank people. <laughs> so try to make them convicts. <laughs> okay, okay, I won't anymore. So oh, anyway, wow. like I said, the family was very poor. It was hard because they would do a lot of traveling, and then they would also... Had, they also had to provide for 13 slash 14 kids. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so among the many children, I don't, I didn't get all the names. So I only got the names of two. And these are guys, these guys are the most notable. Two brothers, uh, John and Clarence. Clarence. Now, according to some friends, fam- family and friends, the two were inseparable from a young age. Oh, that's cute. Amongst the many activities they did together, there was swimming. And they became very good at it. Even during the cold seasons, they would go swimming in Lake Michigan with, like, the ice had barely melted, so there were, like, still ice blocks floating Lake to the surface. Lake Michigan is cold, like, all year round, yeah. and so they I would swim it. in it. These guys yeah. were crazy. I know people do that, but, like, you really only do it at the peak of the summer. Right. <laughs> crazy people. Anyway, so coming from a poor family, the boys began to see a need for more provisions. So Clarence, he was the younger of the two, at age 14... Committed his first crime. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> Breaking into a service station. Who said they're convicts, though? Okay. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, his I first crime... I just want the whole world to know he did not pull a fast one on me this time. <laughs> Do you want to tell them what the fast one I usually pull on you is? The freaking keys? Yeah, yep. Every single time. I didn't we... do it today when we went to the store. That's because you said, don't worry, I have them. Yes. So every time we like leave the house or get in the car or leave the store or wherever we're at, Miles is usually the one driving. I am a passenger princess for life, okay? Um, but he'll look at me with the keys in his hands and go, hey, where are the keys? And sometimes he doesn't have them in his hands. Sometimes he'll just sit and stare at me and wait. He does it every day. But like, hey, did I give you the keys? And sometimes he's so <laughs> convincing, even though it's like... The two hundredth time he's done it that week, I still will question it. Oh my gosh! I'm funny. Let the world know that I'm funny. That was the moral <laughs> of that story. Listen, keeps life interesting. <laughs> Except for, oh my gosh, do you remember that time that I actually like walked myself out of the house? Which time? It was only once. Was it? Yeah, when it was, was at it? the condo. Remember? And it was no. like I had given you so much crap for like giving me crap about the keys and then mm-hmm. i locked myself out of the house i don't remember that and then logan had to come because you were at like a meeting logan had to come pick you up to come bring you back to me oh was that when we first moved into the condo like, i don't pretty... remember i don't remember either anyway sorry that was a little random tangent yeah anyway but yeah i'm funny okay okay 
So his first crime, he's 14. He's 14. And his, uh, the crime was breaking into a service station. Okay. Later on, when the boys were in their early 20s, they started going for bigger scores. Um, okay. They started robbing banks and other large businesses. Wow. They would typically operate after these businesses shut down for the day. So it's like they were trying to be, I guess, less hostile. Mm-hmm. I mean, still a bad thing, but I mean, they were trying to... Like, not have any people involved. Yeah, they don't want to kill anyone. Just get the stuff and get out. Mm -hmm. So makes sense, yeah. So because of this, they didn't really need to use weapons at all. Okay. But they did report there was one time where they did use a weapon, but it was a toy gun. Oh. So it wasn't real. So they're like, listen, we're not bad guys. (laughs) We just have an interesting hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting is a great word. <laughs> on one of their heists in Columbia, Alabama, their luck ran out, and they were arrested in Ohio only five days after the robbery. They were each given 35-year sentences, which they served in Florida State Prison. Then they were moved to Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, and then the Atlanta Penitentiary. And during this, their various transfers, they met a couple of men. The first guy, his name was Frank Lee Morris. Okay. And the other guy was alan west now alan west i just want to point this out this is miles nerd moment so alan west like those two names are the last names of like the two most popular flash people so like there's barry allen and then wally west (laughs) just gonna throw that out there miles nerd moment push my glasses up really cute there (laughs) so the the two brothers um they would they attempted on several occasions to escape prison, um, and they were eventually sent to... Dun, dun, dun. I was about to say Azkaban. Alcatraz. <laughs> Alcatraz. I did So you, you called it earlier. I just didn't want to give it away yet. Yes. Uh... So they were, they were sent separately. John was the first to arrive at Alcatraz on October 24th, 1960, as inmate AZ1476... AZ, I guess, since we're in America. <laughs> then Clarence arrived on January 10th, 1961 as inmate, a- inmate AZ-1485. Wow. And it was here that they ran into prisoners AZ-1335 and AZ-1441, or Alan West and Frank Lee Morris, respectively. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it was like one big criminal reunion. <laughs> They're like, hey, my friends are there. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> so this guy, Frank, a little bit about him. He had a pretty rough childhood. His parents abandoned him when he was just 11 years old. Aww. Yeah. Um, and he spent his child in fo- his childhood in foster care and in orphanages. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years into orphanship. I have a couple made up words in here. Orphanship is one. <laughs> a couple of years into orphanship, he started to get a little rebellious. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously he was in prison, but anyway. What? So, this, this isn't, isn't about prison. <laughs> <laughs> he was a tomato farmer. Goodness gracious, so you, Miles. You get it. <laughs> he was convicted of his first crime at age 13, and in his later teens, he'd been arrested multiple times for crimes like armed robbery and possession of narcotics and other such yeah big deals his early prison years he was assigned as a lunch lady oh. he was like one of the guys who served lunch anyway um <laughs> in miami he was convicted of grand larceny um now a little bit a little side note of frank here as well at the time like at this time while he was in prison he was ranked in the top two percent ready of the general population ready for ready intelligence I'm ready what the intelligence like oh. he was in the country he was in the top two percent of like smart people um he doesn't sound like it. he, he was locked up in alcatraz we'll get there um he had an iq like a tested iq score of 133 wow so like almost mine i'm just <laughs> kidding <laughs> so saw you were asking me about iqs earlier. yeah yeah that's when i wrote that down i have no idea what my iq score is it's probably like three I doubt that. Yeah, I agree. Probably like, I don't know what it is. I didn't even want to guess at this point. Anyway, it's a shame he didn't use his intelligence for, you know, more useful things like curing cancer. So Frank served time in Florida, 
Georgia, and Louisiana, and managed to escape from Louisiana State Penitentiary when he was serving a 10-year sentence because of a bank robbery. Um, a year after escaping, he was caught and arrested during one of his burglaries, and that was when he was sent to Alcatraz after that. Wow. And then this other guy, The Flash, times two. Um, not much is really... Alan West, sorry, I should say his name, actually. Um, <laughs> not much is really mentioned about him, but it did say in the article that he, um, throughout his life he had been arrested like over 20 times for various crimes like car theft and burglary and you know, very similar things. He served time at Al- Atlanta Pen- Penitentiary and Florida State Prison, from which he attempted escape, and after he was caught from that, he was also sent to Azkaban. Uh, Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Harry Potter. <laughs> so, what do we know about Alcatraz? There are Death Eaters. Yes, there are Death Eaters. Um, <laughs> Alcatraz Al- is an island. Correct. Where is it located? California. Which city? Uh, San Francisco. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Yeet. I, I'm going to point this out too. So every time I think of Alcatraz, I think of the video game Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 because <laughs> Alcatraz is like one of the maps you can go skate at. And I remember that from my childhood. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's not part of the story at all. It's just... I wanted to mention it because, again, Miles is a nerd. Push my glasses up. <laughs> I feel like I I have, like, a memory of that video game, but I also don't actually think that my brothers played it. Oh. I don't know for sure, but... No, I I have pretty pretty big memories of it. There was this, um, this bum, um, like a homeless person named Ollie. His name was Ollie the Bum. And you oh. would, like, have to chase pink elephants for him. <laughs> anyway. Are you sure was... this wasn't a fever dream? Yes, very sure. <laughs> if it was, it was a very long fever dream that I have very vivid memories of. But there was like one, um, like unlockable character, which was Boba Fett. Oh no! <laughs> from Star Wars, it was great. <laughs> anyway, continuing on with the story. So yeah, San Francisco, California. That's where Alcatraz is. Have you ever been there? Mm-hmm. I've been there once. I haven't been to Alcatraz. Um, haven't been to Azkaban. Um, <laughs> no, we were we were going to go. So one time we had to go renew our Australian passports. Oh, okay. It's like me, my parents, and my little sister. And we were looking at going to it, but we, we never actually did. So. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to go one day. I want to do like a ghost hunt there. That was my first time ever doing like a self-guided tour. So I didn't realize like I thought we'd be in a big group and they had someone leading you around. But they gave you like a little, like almost like a cassette tape type mm-hmm. thing with some headphones. And then everyone's listening to the same thing, but you can go as fast or slow as you want. Yeah. So. That'd be fun. I don't... I like tours, but I don't like it when they're guided. Yeah. I like wandering around for myself. Yeah, yeah. It was... It gave you that kind of freedom. Yeah. It was really cool. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. We should yeah. go. I want to do the night tour. We should do a ghost hunt. Yeah. The night tour is a lot spookier. When we're rich and famous. Guys, help us get famous so Holy we can put it... <laughs> that was the part where everybody starts turning down their volume. <laughs> we're like, okay. Okay, I'm done. Now turn it back up. Help us get famous so we can go to Alcatraz. <laughs> All right. So, San Francisco, California. Um, during the Spanish rule of California, the San Francisco Bay was surveyed and mapped by Juan Manuel de Ayala, who was a Spanish naval officer and explorer. Along his route, he noticed a large number of pelicans or gannets. The translation for that is kind of, is it's not very clear. Birds. They were birds. They were seabirds. Seabirds. Um, but the thing is, like, Gannets aren't really gannets. 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 Um, they're not really native to that area or the Pacific West in general. Um, so it's people. A lot of people speculate that it was pelicans. Anyway, so he, this guy, this um, this guy Juan, he appropriately named this um, an island in this area, La Isla de los Alcatraces. Huh. That's where the like the iffy translation is because the word alcatrase alcatraces means I think the little translation is gannets, but interesting. Like anyway, continuing. The island named, however, was not Alcatraz Island, but it was Yerba Buena Island, which that's what we call it today. That's like one of the other islands in the San Francisco Bay, but it's close by. Anyway. Oh. 
But then along comes this Brit, this British guy, <laughs> this English English captain named Captain Frederick W. Beachy. Um, he started calling the rock that we know was Alcatraz. Uh, like he just started using the word Alcatraz to refer to any rock that had pelicans on it. Sounds like an ignorant English man. <laughs> exactly, exactly my point. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so it started out as just a private island. The like you know Alcatraz, this rock, because it was a rock to begin with. Um, started out as a private island, which was given to an owner of a very large uh, ranch called Ran- Rancho de Puente. Uh-huh. His name was Julian or William Workman. He, go- he went by other name. Huh. And it was given to him in 1846 by Pio, P- Pio Pico, who was the Mexican governor at the time. And he, the intention of him giving this to, to Julian was to build a lighthouse on the island. That makes um, sense. And the two were really good friends, which is why he gave it to to Julian instead of, you know, someone else. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, soon after it was given to him, Julian actually, he sold it to the military, um, the military governor of California named John C. Fremont, uh-huh. you know, for the purpose of use of the, um, for the United States government. Uh-huh. And in 1850, President Millard Fillmore, Millard, Millard. Do you know how to pronounce his name? No. <laughs> he's, a, he's a U.S. president. I don't... I think he's like the 13th or something. I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, President Millard Fillmore. I'm just going to say Millard. Um, he ordered that the island be reserved for military use. Uh-huh. And John Fremont, he was expecting conversation for the purchase of the island. Because <clears throat> um, it costed him $5,000, which in today's world is a little bit under 200000 Okay. And I'll be like, yeah, I want that money back too. Yeah. But the government screwed him over. Big surprise. He tried suing, but was unsuccessful. And then the military, they started to investigate the militarial, that's my other made up word, um, applications of the island. I think it's made up. It wasn't in the dictionary. So, militarial. <laughs> um, eventually in 1853, they began to fortify the island, which took them about five years and was thereby named Fort Alcatraz. Woohoo! The first garrison station at Fort Alcatraz numbered around 200 soldiers that arrived by the end of the, the final year of construction, which was 1858. Uh-huh. And in 1859, you know, following year, they took advantage of Alcatraz's geography, being surrounded with the bays, cold water, strong currents, ETC. Um, ETC. ETC, etc. And they used it to house soldiers convicted of committing crimes. Very nice. In 1861, the American Civil War started, and Fort Alcatraz was then equipped with 85 cannons. And it also served as a storage for firearms to keep them away from the Confederacy. So they store them in the same place with all the prisoners? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were isolated, like, you know, kept separate, but yeah. Smart. So a lighthouse was finally built on Alcatraz during this time too and the island was also used as a prison of sorts for confederate sympathizers and privateers uh-huh. you know pirates if you remember from what episode was that episode eight arguments yeah that one was it anyway so even though it was equipped with all these cannons they were never actually fired they never used them what a waste what a waste the army eventually decided that it would be better used as a detention center rather than a military outpost. So in 1867, they constructed a brick jailhouse. The following year, it was officially designated as a detention facility for military prisoners. Hmm. It wasn't used too much up until the time of the Spanish War, when the prison population went from 26 to somewhere over 450. Ooh. Quite a jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. In 1907, it was then designated as the Western U.S. Military Prison. Not just a U.S. Military Prison, the Western Military Prison. Wow. Military U.S. Prison. Yeah, anyway. In 1909 is when they got serious with this thing, and they demolished the main building all the way down to the first floor, which was a little bit below the ground level, and they excavated it a little further and dug out a little extra surrounding the um the foundation mm-hmm. kind of like they basically created a moat a dry moat so like surrounding it without water yeah 
Then the new first floor was turned into a basement, which they installed as a new cell block and was given the endearing nickname, the Dungeons. Mm. So that's cute. Yeah. And then they built a huge concrete cell, which is what we can see today. Yep. So it's lasted over over 100 years. So good on them. And it is very big. I believe it. What was it, like three stories high? At least. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. During World War One, I mentioned this one of my previous episodes, but like we talk about the World Wars a lot. Yeah. Anyway. During World War One, Alcatraz held many prisoners, including Philip Grosser, who was an anarchist and an anti-war activist. Okay. Um, he later wrote in a pamphlet about his experience in the prison, and he entitled it, entitled it Uncle Sam's Devil's Island. Very nice. Yeah. I was going to read a little excerpt from it, but it didn't really talk about his experience. It just said... It, the excerpt that I read was... I probably could have dug a little deeper, but anyway. Um, it was just, like, why he was put there. And it was just because he was very against the war. He would, like, refuse to be enlisted and everything. Huh. So they sent him to Alcatraz. I mean, sure. Right. The prison was acquired by the United States Department of Justice and was officially turned into a federal prison. It was intended for repeat felons who, I guess, couldn't learn their lesson after, you know, from the, you know, being in other prisons and everything. Right, right. You couldn't just go back to the tomato farm, so... <laughs> nope. Uh, the first batch of prisoners arrived on the 11th of August, 1934, which numbered 137. And most of these guys, they were bank robbers and murderers and, you know, those kind of criminals. Sure. During its commission, the prison housed many big time many big time criminals like Al Capone, Robert Franklin Stroud, aka the Birdman of Alcatraz. He was named such because you know, he took care of the birds. Like that's what that was his thing. Mm-hmm. Was the birds. Um, George Machine Gun Kelly, Bumpy Johnson, and others. Anyway, so that's a little bit about Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Now let's go back to our inmate friends. To the brothers. The brothers. The tomato farmers. Yeah. That have nothing to do with this. They <laughs> yeah, were this wrongly isn't a... sent to Azkaban, like serious <laughs> black. Yep. <laughs> this isn't a prison story. <laughs> that should be the title. I... <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a prison story. Yes. Anyway. So, the four prisoners were kept in adjacent cells. Um, Frank Morris, he was the smart one. He came up with a great idea. Any guesses? To escape. Yeah, let's escape. So Frank let's and escape. Yeah. Frank formulated the escape plan. Dun dun dun. I kept writing dun 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 in here, <laughs> and I feel like I have to be dramatic when I say it, but that was kind of boring. Um, the four situational friends started out by collecting metal objects like discarded saw blades. I don't know where they were finding these things, but discarded saw blades. I think they were, like, they had projects that they would do during the day. It may be, but, like, would they trust them with saw blades? Yeah, if they needed them to, like, make things. Maybe. I feel like they would kill each other, but (laughs) what do I know? I've never been to prison. Well, I mean, the prison system back in the 1800s is different than how it was Mm -hmm. here. And I think they've learned a few lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. So, yeah, they would use stuff like discarded saw blades, spoons, and an electric drill that they put together using the motor of a vacuum cleaner. That I had no idea where they got. Maybe they were cleaning as well. Who cleans? But, I mean, in prison? Jeez. But, I mean, do they have rugs? Like, what were they vacuuming? Probably. I don't know. I've never <laughs> been to prison, so... <laughs> so, anyway. During music hour, they had a fun little music hour. Frank would play his accordion. To Man, mask the this sound. This prison thing sounds great. <laughs> free food, free healthcare, music hour, <laughs> vacuums, <laughs> vacuums, <laughs> discarded saw blades. Uh. Anyway, so he would play his accordion to mask the sound of the others, um, the other three working to widen their ventilation ducts, which were located beneath their sinks. That's actually so funny. Yeah, they used painted cardboard to cardboard cardboard. <laughs> To mask their progress Don't on the guys, ducks. He's Australian. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> so once the ducks, ducks, sounds like I'm saying ducks, like quack. <laughs> These guys were quacks. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, once the ducks were wide enough, 
uh, for them to fit through. They crawled through them, which led behind their cells where a utility hallway was located. They then climbed to the top floor, which was vacant. There's nobody up there. That's what, that's what vacant means. And they <laughs> set up their base of operations. And in this new workshop, they stored all the materials they would need for their plan, which included around 50 raincoats and other donated materials and use them to make life preservers. They also put together a six by 14 foot rubber raft and the seams were stitched by hand. I don't know how long that took them, but I mean, this was like a six month process. This is dedication. Yeah. They deserve to escape (laughs) at this point. And that's the thing. This is what I was thinking. I'm like, you know, we shouldn't be rooting for these guys. And I'm pretty sure our media plays a huge part in this. Mm -hmm. Cause like when you look at uh, like prison, it, escapes well prison movies in general like you know shawshank redemption you don't root for the gods you're rooting uh-huh. for the inmates yeah it's like you want them to get out yeah. but also like they're in there for a reason yes and so like i know these guys aren't great people like i know that uh-huh i'm, I'm sure the brothers the two brothers were weren't terrible people but like you know they only used a fake gun yeah exactly they, they weren't trying to hurt did anyone bad things when nobody was around they weren't trying to hurt people they were trying to hurt the economy <laughs> damn anyway Anyway, so, yeah, they stitched the um, the rubber rafts by hand, by hand, the seams, um, and they sealed it with liquid plastic and heat from the steam pipes. And for paddles, they used plywood and screws. So these guys were pretty crafty. So, how did they accomplish this without the guards noticing they were missing from themselves? I'm glad you asked, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> the four compatriots... Is that the right word? Compatriots? Companions. I don't Compatriots. know. You like to make up words. I do. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and I'm not going to fact check you. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they sculpted heads using... Paper mache. Uh, paper mache. Yeah. Something similar. What they used was... Um, it was soap, cardboard, toothpaste, concrete dust, and toilet paper. And yep. they mixed it all together. So kind of like paper mache. Paper mache I'm pretty sure like, the actual head that they made is still at the prison today. That'd be cool. I'm pretty sure that's it, because there is one there. I believe it. And it looks horrible, but, like, I can tell how, like, <laughs> if you're just doing your rounds at night, just kind of doing, like, a quick flash in, how yeah. you would totally miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, they also took paint from the maintenance shop and hair from the barber shop. They would use these heads along with some pillows and blankets and clothes to give the appearance that they were sleeping. Uh-huh. So that I covered it up a little bit. Um, yeah. So it wasn't be like too obvious. But anyway. Yeah, I wasn't like sitting there. <laughs> Can you imagine walking by in like the dead of night and it's dark and you just pass this like paper mache doll just staring out at you like. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, weirder things have happened, I'm sure. <laughs> So they kept this up for six months while they're preparing for their great escape. Then the final steps in the plan were underway. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I didn't write dun, dun, dun in there. I, I just, I wanted to add it. Oh, you didn't write it? <laughs> I didn't write it in there. Oh. <laughs> I think I only wrote it the twice, but <laughs> anyway. Miles, anyway. It's, it's okay if you did. Dun, dun, dun. We're you not going to judge look? you. <laughs> All right, so on the night of June 11th, that's two days before Harper's birthday, 1962, Aww. after everything was prepared, they set off. But, this is sad, our Flash, Alan West, he noticed that the concrete that he used to, because, um, so along the way, it would the little ventilation ducts would start to crumble, so he used concrete to, like, keep the concrete dust up and everything. Um so he noticed that the concrete had hardened, which made it too small for him to fit through oh, the ventilation no. duct. So shouldn't be rooting for him, but what a bummer! <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, the others left without him. <laughs> oh. um, he said, "Screw it," went back to his cell and fell asleep. Oh man! <laughs> what like, a what bummer! Else do you do? Yeah, that'd be that'd be such a letdown. Like the poor guy. <laughs> anyway, the three others rushed through the service hall and climbed up to the roof um, through the ventilation shaft. They also made a loud crash along their way, and the guards did hear it, but then they didn't hear anything following it, so they're like, oh, it's fine. There was no investigation of it. (laughs) Nice. Way Um, to do your job. (laughs) Yep. It's one of those, like, yeah, 
the morning shift can deal with it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so to get from the roof uh, to the ground, the three friends slid down a kitchen vent pipe, which was about 50 feet long. And mind you, they were also hauling all their equipment, like the raft and their life preservers and all that. So like, you know, probably wasn't easy. Yeah. It probably took them a while, especially to not make too much noise. Yeah. But anyway, they got on the ground and then they had to scale a 12 foot barbed wire fence. That's around the perimeter. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. You got this, guys. (laughs) They went to the northeast shore, which they discovered was a blind spot for the searchlights and gun tower. So smart. (laughs) Smart. They used a concertina that they stole from a fellow inmate to inflate their handmade raft. They turned it into kind of a bellows where they... What is that? It's like, you know, when um, you would, like, back in the olden days when they wanted to get the fire hot and they used that, like, the oh, wind thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what they used it as. Once the raft was inflated, they um, paddled two miles towards Angel Island. They were not found out until the next morning when their dummy heads became too obvious, like, in, in like, the <laughs> yeah. daylight. I'm sure, like, they tried to get them up and then they wouldn't move, so they looked closer and they discovered it but yeah i'm pretty sure um i don't know if you're gonna mention this but like one of the guards poked it with a stick or something like that because no no i didn't i wasn't gonna mention that i don't know how they figured it out i just said they figured it was like spooky because they like weren't expecting it to be a fake head (laughs) you can imagine turning it over and it's like an ugly piece of cardboard (laughs) no seriously they were like hey get up and then it like moved and i was like oh my gosh like like the head rolled off the bed (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah yeah anyway there was a huge search conducted by multiple military and law enforcement agencies they searched the sea they searched land for about 10 days Um, during that time they found one of the paddles and a wallet that contained the addresses and names of some of the contacts of the anglin brothers they found some raincoat materials supposedly from the raft and one of their life jackets as well but no sign of the escapees so the FBI concluded that they had drowned, claiming that the personal effects they found would not be left behind intentionally. So obviously, they drowned, even though they couldn't find any remains. So good job, FBI, in 1962. Uh-huh. Yeah. They thought that part of it might have been, because those walls were pretty sketchy. So Like really, and, yeah, choppy. And- yeah, and they had very strong currents as well, so it's like maybe the currents took them away. Mm-hmm. And, anyway. They just thought that it was unlikely that even in a raft they could have made it two miles. So. There. Anyway. About a month after the Great Escape, a Norwegian ship came through and saw a floating body, which they didn't report until October, but the investigators claimed that a body wouldn't be floating that long after someone drowned, much less in that same area. Okay, but there was just a body there. Yeah. They... I I didn't put this in here, but they they assumed that it was like this one guy who jumped up like five days prior to them finding it or the, the claim that they found it um a guy was seen to jump off the golden gate bridge mm-hmm. so that's who they assumed it to be anyway oh why wouldn't you report that because <sighs> the norwegians norway <laughs> sorry <laughs> well there goes our norwegian fan base oh we didn't have one <laughs> we love you norway so they they decided since it was you know a month after and it was unlikely that it was them they decided to um you know push that aside and then they like during their investigation as well because they were still trying to find these guys Uh they questioned their abandoned conspirator alan west our flash friend who was reportedly very cooperative yeah, I mean, he's like, screw them, yeah, they left me. Exactly. I was going to say that. I mean, like, he was probably really annoyed at these guys. And he's like, you know, screw them. Yep. I would honestly probably write them out too. Yeah. They left me behind. <laughs> Especially, like, because it was six months preparation. And I'm sure, uh, like, during that time, it wasn't easy. It's like, you couldn't have was... given me one more night, like, right. to get back through this hole. Right. So, according to Alan, the plan was to steal clothes and a car after they landed but after investigating that, no thefts of cars were reported at all. Huh. At all. Later that year, on the 16th of December, another inmate named John Paul Scott decided to attempt an escape as well. 
he made some water wings using rubber gloves and he swam 2.7 nautical miles. He ended up on the shore at Fort Point and he was found unconscious by some teens suffering from hypothermia and exhaustion. But same. (laughs) I mean, that's 2.7. I can hardly run that, let alone swim. Dang, that's... Yeah. So he, this guy, John, he was sent to... John Paul Scott, I should clarify, because there were a lot of Johns back then. (laughs) Uh, He was sent to the hospital, and then once he recovered, he was sent back to Alcatraz. I mean, I knew that that's what they were supposed to do, but still, what a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All that... (laughs) All that effort for nothing. Yeah. I mean, Linda's lesson, I'm sure. So he, this guy, he's the only known case of an inmate swimming to reach the shore. Wow. So, I mean, that's at least an accomplishment for him. (laughs) Sure. The following record, buddy. (laughs) Well, the record. Probably. I mean, I mean, maybe not for swimming, but I mean, that's good for him. The following year, Alcatraz was decommissioned as a federal prison any guesses why um wasn't there like a prison fight no i mean there might have been but maybe now a lot of people speculate that it was like well not speculate a lot of people think it was because of the this escape and like they, it was found out and like well if it's going to be like that low of a security prison then what what's the point in having it people keep escaping yeah but i mean as far as i know this was like the most successful case of an Alcatraz escape. People attempted, sure, but like they were always caught. But anyway, the real reason why it was decommissioned was um, it was too expensive to keep running. Typical prisons around that time were only costing about $3 a day to keep operational, whereas Alcatraz was costing $10 a day just for maintenance. Um, but they also had a lot of like, like salt water saturation and building erosion. So when is this at this point? This is 1963. Okay, so there was a battle at Alcatraz in 1946, and it was a pretty big deal. Sorry, I just, like, Googled it. I um, just want to, like, put that in there. Um, so it lasted from May 2nd to May 4th, and it was a result of an escape attempt at Alcatraz by armed convicts. Oh. So they had managed to get some of the weapons. Oh. Um, and I'm pretty sure they killed a few officers. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's why I was wondering. I was like, maybe that's why they shut it down. Cause, but I knew like this case had something to do with it. But yeah. no, this was still 20 years later. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, the real reason was it was just too expensive to keep running. So they turned yeah. it into a tourist attraction. That would make money. <laughs> anyway, Alan West was transferred to McNeil Island after it was decommissioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, and McNeil Island is located in Washington. He was then sent back to Atlanta Penitentiary, and he was released in 1967, only to be put back in prison for grand larceny. (laughs) He was sent to Florida State Prison, and it was here where he stabbed a fellow inmate, killing him, and was sentenced to life. Apparently... Who is this? Alan West, our Flash friend. Yeah. Um, So apparently this was... uh, It was likely a racist hate crime. I mean, sure. Yeah. So he, um, Alan West, he died from peritonitis in 1978. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. There have been, so since the escape, there have been many claims and sightings on the three escapees. One claim was that Clarence was now living in Brazil. I love it. Which the FBI investigated but found no real evidence. Oh. The Anglin family also received postcards over the years that were suspected to be from either or both of the brothers. Uh-huh. The father in 2010, before dying, also claimed that he had contact with John and Clarence from 1963 to 1987. Another claim was from another inmate named John Leroy Kelly. Again, another John who said that he set the three up with a contact of his that was going to take them to Canada, but along the way killed them to collect the money that the families had collected for them, which was around $40,000. A lot of people made up stories. I'm sure this is one of them. Right, yeah. Because they said, like, you know, he buried him there, but they found no bodies and whatnot. Anyway, 
So he bases claim, no ties, no no nothing. So wait, their dad died in 2010. Yeah, he lived a while. Did, did you mention what year these guys were born? No, I didn't. Um, so who was the other one? John was the other one. He was born in, in May 1930. And then Clarence was born a year later in May, like a couple of days later in May okay. 1931. I have my own theory, but continue with yours. Okay. <laughs> and then I'll share mine. Okay. So contrary to the FBI claims, a couple of yeah, a couple of accounts mention a boat. One one claim was saying that it was left on Angels Island. Yeah, so the FBI, I don't think I mentioned this or made it very clear, but the FBI didn't really find any kind of evidence that these guys had made it to land, like including the boat. They found the I mentioned that they found the paddle and the paddle and coats. yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there was one claim that the there was a boat like a funny looking boat left on angel's island with some footprints leading away from it to like the road and everything and then the other claim it was actually from a policeman and he said that there was a, a an illegal boat quote unquote illegal he didn't give a description besides that um, but it was headed under the golden gate bridge there are a few other stories and claims and reported sightings but they have all been called no one's yeah no definitive answers uh. at all this story has been adapted into movies such as the 1979 movie Escape from Alcatraz starring Clint Eastwood, Fred Ward, and Jack Thibault, and also a two-part movie called Alcatraz, The Whole Shocking Story. Huh. Many people before these three tried to escape Alcatraz, but this one was the most successful, like I said before. Yeah. At least I think so. Uh, and as we know, Alcatraz is now a popular tourist attraction. And this is also another little thing. So people have, like, since that guy, um, John, that other guy, uh, John Paul Scott, um, like, after he, I mentioned that he was the only inmate that, that swam from Alcatraz to the to the shore. But, um, so that's only inmate. There is a annual triathlon oh. called the Alcatraz, called the Alcatraz, oh, the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon, which takes place in June each year. And people swim? And people swim. From Alcatraz to Angel Island? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. That's crazy. It's one of the shoals around there. I, don't, I can't remember. But yeah. What's your theory? Oh, my goodness. They're still alive. They're probably both, like, in a nursing home somewhere right now with, Maybe. like, Alzheimer's. And they're probably giving like these crazy wild stories and their nurses are just like uh-huh <laughs> sure larry because they had to change their names right yeah and larry is the obvious choice yeah right so they're over here like and then we scaled the wall and blah, and then they're like <laughs> okay have some more beans please <laughs> like, <laughs> he is your meds that's my theory so okay. they made it out and they just Do you have probably theory? ran on foot they probably went to a different county on foot or by bus or something like that, mm-hmm. and then stole a car. So they were looking for car theft in the wrong area. Mm-hmm. They just got away. Yeah, there were a couple of um, different claims and stuff like that about uh-huh. like how they actually got away. And a lot of people claim like, oh yeah, they had a contact come pick them up. One of them was I think it was Clarence's girlfriend or something totally that came to can they pick them up and um, so like that's why they wouldn't be they wouldn't be like car theft in that area but after this i didn't write this in here but one of the things this was a more recent one i think it was like 2011 like investigative reports or something like that uh-huh. they were looking it might have been earlier than that sometime i got all the dates mixed up because i didn't write them down but anyway <laughs> one of them said that they were looking at like surrounding counties and stuff uh-huh. and there was actually like a couple of vehicles that had been stolen uh-huh. that were near the area uh, see, um, but not in the exact there. area, so. Yeah, they were just looking in the wrong spot. They were looking in the wrong spot. Yeah, and, uh, like, I'm sure they had a contact come and get them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's probably why they had to do it that night. So they're like, sorry, dude, screw you. Like, my girlfriend's waiting on the shore, you know? Like, no, they're, they're definitely in a nursing home somewhere. Larry and, uh... Phil. Phil, sure. <laughs> Larry and Gary. Just Larry and Gary. <laughs> uh, and this uh, 19-year-old nurse, whatever, <laughs> is feeding them pudding like, okay. 
Time to take your pills. <laughs> Watching TikTok on the side, half listening as they <laughs> confessed. <laughs> Likely. Oh, anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people think like the the Brazil thing is pretty legit. I mean, like, if I were to escape a, a serious prison like that, like I wouldn't want to be in yeah. America. You know. Agreed. There was um. This is another one of those there's like reported sightings and and stuff where I think it was. I think it was Clarence one of the Anglin brothers they had a friend um like from their childhood that recognized them like he was visiting Rio de Janeiro and uh-huh. recognized him but I mean like Rio de Janeiro is a is a pretty big city right and like what are the chances that you're vacationing and you run into someone from your past there I mean stranger things have happened stranger but... things but like the the likelihood of it isn't right so a lot of these claims are you know obviously false but it's like, you know, which one... It makes you wonder, like, which one is actually true. Right. Like, are any of them true? Are all of them true? So, moral of the story, if you are currently working at an assisted living home and you have a delusional old man telling a story about how he escaped Alcatraz, maybe tell the feds or something. Especially if his name is Larry. <laughs> or Gary. Or Gary. Or Phil. Or Phil. Could be any of those three. Because there were three of them. There were three of them. Yeah, it didn't really talk about um, Frank at all. Well, but it's like you know what what happened to him because I mean, he actually maybe it did mention him. Let me look it up. I think it did mention him. I think that he was caught soon after, but I might be making that up. When did they? What year did they try to escape? Nineteen sixty-two. They did try to escape in nineteen sixty-two. Yeah, it was June nineteen sixty-two, June eleventh. Yeah. So the um, the uh, battle of Alcatraz happened before that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay yeah so just a little bit like more on the battle of alcatraz because that's like a huge history part of alcatraz so this is what wikipedia says it says um so it was three guys bernard coy marvin hubbard and joe kretzer um and they had noticed some of like the flaws in the prison's security Mm -hmm. and the gun galleries at the west end of the cell house (coughs) uh west end of the cell house and it was protected by bars, but with no, like, mesh barrier. Um, and so they were basically able to just, like, reach through the bars and get the guns. And so they also knew, like, when the guards would leave for their shifts and, like, go get lunch and whatnot. So they knew when the guns weren't being watched. Interesting. So on May 2nd, 1946, again, this is, I'm, I'm literally just reading from Wikipedia. It says, while most convicts and correction corrections officers were in outside workshops koi the main guy was in the main cell house sweeping the floor around c block when the kitchen orderly marvin hubbard called an officer william miller uh to let him in and as he had just finished as he just finished cleaning the kitchen so as miller was letting hubbard in and was checking him to make sure he didn't have any stolen items on his person that gave bernard koi enough time to go over to the guns and take them (laughs) and he went and also got joseph kretzer and another guy named clarence carnes from their cells what was also interesting is that the guns were kind of held on like a balcony so, so it wasn't just like time to get them yeah so it wasn't just like in passing you can just reach through they actually had to like scale this wall that was like probably 10 or 12 feet up in the air wow um and they got the guns Paco. uh and basically it just started like this big riot within the prison uh, and three men had died. Let me see who had died. So, the, so according to this, the casualties and losses, there were 14 wounded. Mm-hmm. Three inmates were killed. Two officers were killed. Two inmate, Two more inmates were executed because of it. And then there was one non-participant inmate that was wounded it's crazy mm-hmm. so i think the 14 wounded excludes that one non-participant and mm-hmm. the 14 that were wounded were all officers so 14 officers wounded two were killed three inmates executed two were or two were executed three were killed during the the fight anyways it was huge this big just this shouldn't have happened this big fiasco type thing and yeah it's wow. crazy to think that they didn't get shut down after that, but obviously, right, like, right. this was the first major thing, and then 20 years later, there's these escapes happening, and they're like, dude, Alcatraz, pull your crap together. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, I like butchered that story. I just want to give like a quick little synopsis of it. But well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. I was going to mention this too, actually. So a what are they called? Mythbusters. A Mythbusters episode um, in 2003. They did the plausibility of like what what they basically mirrored that. You know mm-hmm. how they do their experiments. So they they mirrored this escape and they deemed it possible. So. Okay, so if the Mythbusters say that it could happen, <laughs> then it probably did. It probably happened. Especially with this guy, Frank. Like, he, I'm sure he was smart enough to know the ins and outs of everything. But anyway. I just think that they got out, built a new life, and they have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids running around right now. And they're none the wiser because their identities were changed. And one day they're all going to get to heaven and they'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> Hold You're the guy. <laughs> that was you? Like, I thought you were just a tomato farmer. This wasn't supposed to be a prison story. <laughs> yeah, I told you, it's not a prison story. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> we're funny. We're very funny. This is how this works, is that we just laugh at our own jokes. <laughs> and each other's. Hopefully it's worth some entertainment. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, but there are tons of other claims and reporting sightings. Um, mm-hmm. Some are probably notable, but I mean, we you know I could guarantee. I mean, you can share them; it doesn't matter. Okay, well, I'll, I'll mention one because this one is interesting. There was a um, a letter received that is allegedly from John Anglin, and it was received by the San Francisco Police Department in 2013. The writer of the letter, again, allegedly john anglin but anyway he told them that frank morris died in 2008 and was buried under a different name and clarence anglin died in 2011 his purpose in writing the letter was to negotiate surrender in exchange for medical treatment for cancer but the letter's authenticity was deemed inconclusive so like they're like we don't know if this is legit because, I mean, how can they freaking 80 years later? Yeah. Not 80. How long? I mean, if that's the case, later. it sounds like he was at his wit's end a little bit and, like, yeah. kind of desperate, which makes me sad. But Yeah. Uh, but well, I'm sure they went off and did their own kind of misdoings. I can guarantee that they would have been 1,000% su- successful if they had Prison Mike with them. <laughs> Prison Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you have any other theories you wanted to share before we sign off? No. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, that it's they'd be 90 something 93 years old, 92 years old by now. So, I very lit, very few people make it up to that age in uh in these days. So, I I kind of maybe one of them is alive, but I doubt all of them are alive. Yeah. Um, which makes me kind of believe that last one I just said about the letter. So, I don't know. Did you know that there's a Yelp page that has prison reviews? Really? Yeah. I just thought that was funny. That is funny. Anyway, so how'd you like the non-prison story? That was really good. Cool. I liked it. It's all about agricultural, agriculture. Yeah. All right. So, I guess, you know... Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we are going to be on a boat in, like, 48 hours. Woo! That's not true. In, like, 72 hours. Well, from now, but by the time people hear this, it'll probably be about 48 yeah. hours. Or, like, last week. Because <laughs> I don't know when people listen to these. Yeah, that's true. Or, like, two years ago. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> Keep up with us. Come on. Jeez. The times are changing. No, um... Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate your support, and it's just been super fun. We love doing this podcast. Um, right now, it's just a hobby, and, like, if it gets to be something more awesome, if not, it's still just a super fun hobby that I think Miles and I just really enjoy. Help us get famous. <laughs> we want to go to Alcatraz. Alcatraz. No. If that's... not for anything, like, just, yeah, you know what I mean. It's t- I'm tired. I need to go to bed. <laughs> but either way, like yeah. we, we really just enjoy what we do. Make us famous. Miles, <laughs> you are like discrediting everything I'm saying whenever you say <laughs> that. I'm joking, everyone. I'm fine. It's fine. Um, 
But yeah, the uh, advice that I'm going to leave you with is if you ever go to prison, please don't drop the soap. (laughs) No, no, no. No, just kidding. If you go to prison, save your spoons. (laughs) And your discarded plates. Soul plates. But also drop the soap for real. What about women's prison? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 